Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast from San Jacinto Assembly of God in Amarillo, Texas. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us online at www.sjag.church. Now here's this week's message. Got your Bibles, turn with me back to the book of Philippians this evening. We're in Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to go to part 2 for my message this morning. And why don't you stand with me because you get to stretch your legs just a little more, and, and we'll read the Word of God, and we'll read the passage that we read this morning, and start from there. Amen. It says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the, sacri- on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me." Heavenly Father, again, we just come to you. We thank you for your word, Father. So thankful for each person here on Sunday evening service, God, Sunday evening church. And Lord, we're praying and we're thankful that you are here in the midst of us. And we pray again that you'll just open our hearts, let your word challenge us and where we're at today. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated tonight. Just to give you a brief, since this is part two... I'll just go over part one briefly and let you remember, in case you weren't here this morning, I preached to the three things this morning, spoke of it's up to each believer to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. And Philippians 2.12 says that, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then my second point this morning is every believer should work on pleasing the Lord. We should all have that in our life that we work on things. Our work is not complete until the day that God brings us home. We're a continuous process of working out what God wants in our life. That's every one of us. doesn't matter how old you get, you still got some work to do. Amen? Matter of fact, I I seen a lady uh, at Mildred's party last night, and she says, now you're the pastor over there at San Jacinto, right? Or, and I said, yeah, I'm the pastor here. And, and, and she says, you know, I haven't seen you, but I don't know what happened to your hair. <laughs> and she said, she'd known me. Why not? I thought, well, I'm, I'm glad you've noticed all my hair is gone. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I thought, well, what an attitude. <laughs> Anyhow, we all got work no matter how old we get, right? <laughs> work on us. And sometimes it's just manners. Sometimes God wants us to have. But anyhow... So we are should, or we should, every believer should work on pleasing the Lord. In Philippians 2.13 it says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. So we know that we're supposed to work out 
to do good for the Lord and please Him. The third thing was work on connecting our smiley face with our attitude. Now I was talking to one of the Life Challenge guys. He had all that outlined from this morning. So we're going to add to it tonight a little bit. Amen? And that's, that scripture was Philippians 2.14. Do all things without complaining and disputing. All things. Work on that. And, and so hopefully y'all had a better time driving after service this morning. The fourth thing I want to bring out this morning is this, or this evening, is to work on being holy in a corrupt world. Let me say it again, to work on being holy in a corrupt world. Our work isn't finished, and so we have plenty of things to do. And so one of the things that in this passage of Scripture is to work on being holy in a corrupt world. Philippians 2.15, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in this world. Now listen to what the New Living Translation says in this. And it says, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God. What a statement to make, as children of God. How many know we are not like the world? We are, our Father is holy, 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 and it tells us that we should live clean. Clean and innocent lives as children of God, shining shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Who would agree with me today that we live in a world full of crooked and perverse people? We can think of things tonight that we thought we'd never have to address as a nation, but things that are going on in our government, things that are going on in our school system, things are going on in our culture, and they're all saying you just need to shut up and accept it. I'm going to tell you a lot of it is perverse and crooked. We're living in a crooked and perverse world, but the Bible tells us that we are to live clean and we are to live innocent. We are to work on this thing. We are to work on becoming this who God is telling us to be. Jesus Himself prayed this prayer over the church. He said in John 17, verses 14 and 15, I have given them Your Word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that You should take them out of the world, but that You should keep them from the evil one. To keep them from the evil one speaks that we've got to be different. Not to be like the world, but to be different from the world. And so one of the things that we have to work at, we have to work at living holy unto God. Work at being holy in a corrupt world. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. Everywhere you turn has some form of corruption. Not the time you think you've got a show you can watch, they mess it up. Come on, hear me today. And sometimes we're listening to things that we ought not to be listening to on movies and TVs. There's no such thing as uh, adult language. I'm sorry, but if you're telling your kid that, then you're lying to your kid. You don't need to be listening to it either. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul gives us a picture of this very thing also. A picture.
picture of living holy, living clean. Listen to what he says when he's addressing the issue of a man and a woman of marriage in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. He says this, that he might present to her, using an illustration of Christ in the church, and he says that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle of any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That's our Lord and our Savior talking about who? Us! Because we are the church of the living God. And He says, I am working on a church. I'm working on a people that I may present blameless and holy and without wrinkle unto a holy God. Hallelujah. I'm saying Jesus has an ideal that we ought to be working on being clean. We are to be working on being holy, separated unto the Lord. We are to be working that way. We are commanded of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, or chapter 6, verse 17 and 18 says this, Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Who? The corrupt. The evil world come out from among them and be separated, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. How I many know that's opposite of holy? Unclean. And I will receive you. I don't know about you, but I want to be received tonight. Amen? I want to be received by my King and my Savior. I want Him to accept me. And listen to what it says in 18. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And Peter writes this. Chapter 1, verse 16. Oh, I forgot to start my time for my sermon. Okay. I don't know when to stop now. <laughs> Peter says this because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. The King James says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Come on, we have taken a lot of that out, and, and here in this passage of Scripture that we look at tonight, we are to work at being holy. We are to work at being holy. That means to be separated. That means to be sanctified. In the assembly of God, we talk about you get sanctified. When you get your life right with God, you're set aside for God. But we also talk about there's a progressive thing that takes place in your life. You're not all that God wants you to be yet. And He's going to whittle on you. He's going to work on you. But we must be part of that process and let God start to make us holy in our walk toward Him to let things come out of our lives. So we find that Peter is saying this. It's expressed in this passage of Scripture. Come on, th there was a story told about a stagecoach company that was hiring teamsters to drive in, a stagecoach, in stagecoaches through a mountain area. The local office manager had advertised for the position and, and people began to apply for the job. As they were interviewed, the boss asked each applicant, how close can you drive the team to the edge of the cliff as you round the mountain? The first fellow replied that he was skilled enough that he could drive the stagecoach within three feet of the edge of the cliff. That's pretty close. The boss thanked him for his time and called for the next applicant. In the course of the interview, the boss asked the next man the same question. He replied that he could drive the team and coach within one foot of the edge of the cliff. That's close. 
isn't it, Tim? When we're talking about mountain cliffs. He likewise was thanked for, thanked for his time and the next applicant was called in. The boss asked this fellow the same question. He replied, I would drive the coach as far from the edge of the cliff as I possibly could. He got the job. The story clearly illustrates the biblical principle of separation. You are not to see how close we can get to the world and, 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 and still be saved, but we are to work on getting as far from the edge and as far from the world as we can. Now listen to me just for a minute, because in the time that we're living, we're trying to see all that I can do in the world and still hang on my salvation. We're trying to see, can I do this and still keep my relationship with God? Let me just say just for a moment, just think for a moment of what you're trying to question in your mind. Do you know for sure that you can do that and still stay saved? I'm saying tonight, the church in America today is trying to live as close to the edge as they can and still keep their salvation when the Word of God says we are supposed to get as far away from the world as we can and become holy unto God, that God can use a holy and separated people. My land, it's time for us folks to quit seeing how close we can get to the edge because some have fallen over the edge. It's time that we see how how holy we can get under the Lord God Almighty and watch the power rain down from heaven because it's in holiness that God works in His people. It's in holiness that power comes. He don't come when the halfway committed person. He comes to somebody that's separated. He says we are to work on being holy. I don't know. This, I don't need to see. Oh, you think I can go to that movie and still stay saved? Come on, there's some things that get into you. I know it's not preached much. I was telling Brother Ed before service, you know, I may not be as clever as a lot of them that preach the Word of God. And I, I say that in a, in, a, in a way that, you know, some people can really make the message all about something besides what it is. I'm saying today we need to preach the Word of God and we need to get back to holiness in the church because God never told us to walk as close to the world as we can. He says, come on, get holy, get separated, get away from them. And we are to work on that. I don't know what you might have in your life tonight that you may need to get rid of. It may be that soap opera that you watch every day. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had God just convict you over something you're watching? You know what He's trying to do? He's trying to get you away from that edge. Getting you separated more. Over to that way. See, we have ridden the edge. I've, I've had people, I, I look at the church today and I wonder, are you the church or are you the world? Come on, we, we don't even honor Sunday anymore. Our whole nation, our forefathers, they set the, the, the day Sunday aside to worship our God and our King. Every country in the world knew that America shut down on Sunday. Now we're open 24-7 and we're wondering why we had problems in school. We're wondering why we got all the stuff going on. It's because we have chosen to walk as close as we can to the edge and we have crossed over. We have let other religions, other gods come in. We are no longer a nation separated under God and we expect God to move. Crossing over the edge. We are to work on being holy. We are, it's a work. All of us probably have something in our life that we need to get rid of. Amen? Don't shout me down. I'm going to talk to this. Y'all, y'all can amen me. This will be the quiet side. All right. 
Come on, Life Challenge. Give me an amen every now and then. Ah, there you go. All right. It's all right to amen in our church. All right? Matter of fact, the more you amen, the better I'll preach. I just uh, It's all right to amen a little bit. You know, it's not only that, because here's the deal. When we're living close to the edge and we're living like the world, we cannot fulfill the last part of that becoming holy. We are supposed to be a bright light. A bright light. That's what that scripture says. It, it says that you can be a bright light. Bright light and holiness have something to come in together. It works together. Come on, I, I, I tell you, a bright light is something that speaks. A lighthouse that needs its wick trimmed or even is out will cause many to die. Come on, a lighthouse is the very thing that keeps the ships from running into the rocks. And when the light is not trimmed right, and when the light is totally out, many people die. Come on, folks, we don't need to be like the world. We need to lead the world to Jesus Christ. We need to be a bright light. You know, we took the lights, those big lights down in the sanctuary, and I called my wife, where she is such a wonderful person. And I said, Robin, would you come up here and clean all eight of these big old lights? You know what she did? She washed off 40 years of dirt. And then we put a different light in them. We put all LEDs in them and we turn them on now. Some people think, are those new? No, they they have been clean. They have a new light, a bright light in them and it has changed the way they look completely. I'm telling you today, the world is seeing a dim light, an old dingy light from those that call themselves Christians. It's time that they see a bright light that says there's something dwelling in these earthen vessels that we must have a part of it. It's something that we must work on. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> it's something that we need to work on. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 and 7, it says this. For we not, do not preach ourselves, but Christ. <coughs> this is talking about Paul. Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservant, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure. How many realize the treasure that you have in you? We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. This power, this light that's in us, we are to let that shine. And it doesn't shine out of an unholy life. Matthew 5.16 says this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We all sang the song when we were little. Let your light shine. Remember that? I don't remember all the words, so I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> don't hide it under the bushel. I remember that part. But let it shine. All right? Some of you are getting it in your head. We are to let that shine. Why do we forget that as adults? God says we are to work on being holy so that our light can shine in a way that will change people's lives. The next thing is we need to work on life that is about the Word. Life that is about the Word. (coughs) Philippians 2.16 says, Holding fast the Word of life. Holding fast the Word of life. 
so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored. And what basically is what being said here, Paul is saying, I want you to hold the word of life fast in your life because he had shared that with them. They had became saved. And he said, I want you to live by that word of God. He wants that to be part of them. The word in itself, when it talks about holding fast, it means this, to direct one's attention to it. A particular object or event, to notice, to watch, translates also to mark the word. <clears throat> Give heed unto the Word, stay on the Word, hold forth, take heed unto, and then also is to have or hold upon, apply to observe, attend to, to give attention to, hold towards, hold forth, and also to present. When it talks about holding fast the Word of God, it's talking about something that you have laid hold to, and it's very precious to you, and it directs your life. He says that is something that we got to work on. Let me ask you something. Have you ever thought if you just went one day at a time and says today I'm going to apply the Word of God to every one of my situations? I believe in my heart, God, that the Word of I believe in my heart that the Word of God will apply to every situation. It's always relevant in the time <coughs> that we live in, and so I, this is talking about working on letting. Our life be about the Word of God. Direct our steps. You got a job application? What's that going to do with your life with the Word? Seeking for a job? What is that going to do? Is that going to cause me to miss all Sundays from here on out? What am I going to do? Am I going to apply that into my life? Or what am I going to do? The Word of God. Holding fast to it. Jesus drives it home in Matthew 4, verse 4. It's talking about something that's so precious in our life. Something that we need to sustain. Something that we need to exist. Talking about the Word of God in our lives. Matthew 4, 4. We know this. When He was in the wilderness, He said to the devil himself, but He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. To work on letting the Word be about your life. Letting His Word be there and to direct you. I was reading Psalms 119 last year probably, somewhere around there. And I noticed, I didn't notice how many times the, the psalmist pointed out the Word of God. And how important. I've always quoted, I, I quote all the time Psalms 119.105, For the word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And then I was reading Psalms 119 one time, talking about life being part, or the word being part of our life. Listen to what he says, and, and I, I'm not going to preach each verse, I'm just going to read it. It says 119 verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. That's letting His life be about the Word. Psalms 119.72 The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold or silver. That speaks of how precious the Word of God is, should be in our life and what we have. Psalms 119.81 and 82 My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your Word. And then my eyes fell from searching your Word, saying, When will you comfort me? The Word of God for this psalmist is the center of his life and it gives him the very existence of his life. Talking about working so that the Word will be all about in our life. 
It, this psalmist, when I read it, I thought, my word, I never really caught how much he depended on the Word of God for every situation in his life. When he was down, he looked to the Word. When he was happy, he looked to the Word. When he looked at gold and silver, he said, no, the Word of God is more precious than that. He seen in his heart, in his life, that the Word of God was the most precious thing that he had. Yet we don't know enough verses many times to even convict us for being a Christian. Mm-hmm. Did he just say that? I'm going to tell you what I've learned in my life. Memorizing the Word of God has given me strength. You know, when I feel like I'm oppressed and I feel like the devil's messing with me, I will say something like, I've submitted myself therefore unto the Lord God Almighty, and it says if I resist you, you have to flee, so get off of my back. Amen? And I don't necessarily feel that old ugly thing get off of me, but I, I do feel eventually, I think, wow, I'm feeling better already. Why? Because of the Word of God. And I shared with you this morning, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm saying the Word of God is, gives you the strength. And we, we start to let the Word become part of our life like this psalmist. Every situation, he had something to say about it that came from the Word of God. You don't need to be that person. How many know someone that's got something to say about everything? But you know, we are to be Christians who've got the Word to say about everything that's going on in our life. And it are to be a part of our life. It's power in knowing the Word of God. The Word of God is all Jesus used when He was being attacked. And let me tell you something. I'm, I'm probably not worth much more than a second class demon to get on me. You know, a lot of people say, well, the devil's been on me all week. I'm thinking, the devil probably really ain't on you. It's probably a third class, fourth class demon. We count ourselves way too important, <laughs> right? But he's got a lot of helpers. So we'll say that, all right? Got a lot of helpers. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus, Jesus met the devil himself in the out in the wilderness. I've been in that wilderness. I mean, I've seen it from Israel. It's a it's a place of nothing. And he had fasted forty days and forty nights. He would be weak. I would be weak after just missing lunch. But he had been 40 days and 40 nights. He was weak in physical body. And, and the devil, listen, how many of you have noticed the devil comes at you when you're at your weakest moment? Come on, when you're not feeling good or, and, and physically and things are going wrong, he comes at you. And he came at Jesus and all Jesus used was the Word of God to defeat him. Why is it that we don't make the Word of God part of our life? We need to work on making more of the Word be evident in our life and what we do. Come on, we don't need to quote preachers. And I, I get all the little cliches we say, you know, if God brought you to it, He'll bring you through it. Come on, I get all that. I, you know, I'm not saying I don't say that every now and then. But I'm going to tell you what I found powerful art is the Word of God. And learning the Word inside of me. We need to work on practice. You know, there was days, I don't know, I, I, I speak of the old days, but I'll remember them. Where they'd have sword drills. Lou knows what that is. You know, they would race to find the Word of God. They taught the kids how to find the Word. There was memorization, you know, mission nets, all this. It was about getting the Word of God in your hearts. 
We need to work on that. Amen. We need to work on memorizing the Word. I didn't even get close to saying all the psalmist says here. Let me finish that. 119.10, I have restrained my feet from evil, uh, every evil way that I may keep your Word. 119.105, I quoted that, your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. 119.114, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your Word. 154, please Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive, revive me according to your word. 160 says the entirety of your worth is your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. And then 162. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Come on. When's the last time you rejoiced at the word of God as one that has found Great treasures. I love this Word. Man, this Word has been with me when I've been down. It's been with me when I've been up. It's been with me this Saturday when I was trying to get sermons ready. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm just saying the Word of God is powerful. And it is good. Hallelujah. And so if we fall and listen, listen to this. Now how many of you get something that you really like and you just say, i got to show somebody. It may be a brother or a sibling. You say, come look at what I just got. Come on. It may be a new car. It may be a new house. It may be something of this. And we want to share that. Here's the deal about making the Word of God part of your life, about your life, working on it. Once you make it about it, you want to share it with somebody. Amen? Did you know the Word of God speaks of the fact that we're supposed to share the Word of God? And, you know, and, and we get off of that. And the Word of God talks that. He says, you know, when it talks about holding it fast, it's so precious to you. And also, one of the definitions of that holding fast means to present it. To share it with somebody. I believe that the churches would get a little, a little more people in them if we would start sharing the Word of God that we love so much. Quit sharing our judgmental attitudes. Quit sharing our condemnation. Quit pointing our fingers at people and just share what's made your life different. Amen. To share what your life has been made. The Word of God tells us, He says, Go ye therefore and tell people about Me. The Word of God. When I find the Word of God, and I find things, when I got my new truck that I'm driving, well, it's not new, it's new to me, but it's a 16 model, but I wanted some folks to look at it. Come on, I want to get in there and feel the leather. Push the buttons and let them feel that, that, that fan come up through the seats. Come on. I'm going to tell you, we need to fall in the Word of God just like that, that it becomes so much part of our life. That Can I just tell you about the Word of God, sir? How it's changed my life and how it's made me a new person. The Word of God is there for you and it'll help you give you the strength that you need in your life come on the word of god the word of god i'm not going to share something that i'm embarrassed about when i lived in campo my little brother he was so ashamed of me i was working for i didn't we were really tight on money and and so this guy gave me a a, a chevelle four-door car it was wore out had 190,000 miles on it i poured more oil in it than i did gasoline I got me a case of gray machine paint, and I painted that with spray cans. <laughs> I pulled up, the first time I pulled up there, Jimbo says, I'm, I know, he says, will you park in the back? <laughs> <laughs> but 
But listen what, I didn't get people to come look at my car. It was nothing but transportation. The ladies in the church looked in the back seat, and the guy I got it off had a big Labrador, and he had chewed all the back seat out of it. And they said, Pastor, we got to make your car look better. <laughs> but listen, I wasn't showing the thing off. I was just transportation. I'm going to tell you, when you fall, don't let the Word of God just be something to get you through. Let it be something that you cherish in your life, and when you cherish in your life, it becomes part of your life. You'll share it with somebody because it has changed you and made you different. We need to work on being more about the Word of God. Letting it be part of our lives. And sometimes we criticize people that are always sharing the Word. I think it's just because we're embarrassed that we don't do the same thing. Word of God. Next thing. Last thing. We are, work on, we are to work on being people of sacrifice for His kingdom. Philippians 2, 17 and 18. Listen to what Paul says here. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering for the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, listen, for the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. For the same reason. Now Paul is writing this. Paul is about to give his life. Paul's fixing to die. That's why he starts this, this passage that I started to read. He says, just as I, you've obeyed in my presence, also obey when I'm gone. Also use the Word of God when I'm gone. So Paul's getting them ready for his parting. And he says, you've seen me suffer in all this. And for the same reason, may you be joyful. For what reason? That you also would suffer the same way that I've suffered. And don't let it be something that brings a, a bitterness in your life. Don't let it be something that's going to cause you. But let it be great joy that you have counted. Remember what the apostles said when they first got beat. They said they counted it great joy that they were able to suffer like the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, Paul was trying trying to speak into their lives that even though life doesn't go good for you, even though you may have a difficult time because your relationship with God, count it all joy. I heard James say that. Count it all joys in diverse situations. Come on, we need to work on, go back up to point three, I believe it, to not complain. Work on not complaining when things aren't going right for us because of our relationship with God. We've got to work on sacrifice. Work on sacrifice. And be joyful about it. Paul had offered himself as a sacrifice to serve men. And we are to offer ourselves also. And count it joy to be able to sacrifice. To serve one another. To serve this community around this church. Amen? Amanda and Gunner and them that are going out and, and Helica's with them and they all go out every Saturday and they serve this community. They sacrifice every Saturday. I don't know how many of you want to give up every Saturday, but they are sacrificing every Saturday to go out around this church. What for? To serve the Lord. They're sacrificing their time. They're going out ministering to people and, and they say, well, it's not bringing any fruit. Just give it time. I planted a seed one time and the next day I wanted to see if anything was coming up and the third day I thought, my word, Jesus come up out of the grave in three days. What's happening to my seed? I dig down and it's still there. <laughs> That's my farming ability. 
That's why my father-in-law really didn't want me farming. Anyhow, but anyhow. But I'm going to tell you what, you put the seed that they're going out sacrificing. And you know who's noticing it? Not just the people of this neighborhood, but Jesus is also noticing the sacrifice that they have made. And they count it joy. I, I tell you, it, they count it joy to be able to sacrifice their time, to minister into people's families and in their lives. Will God honor it? Yes, He will honor it. I'm telling you, there's things being ushered up into heaven because they have made the choice to, to sacrifice. we got to work on that. Amen? Because sometimes we become so selfish in this world that we're living in that we sacrifice nothing for somebody else. Just a few weeks back, I can't remember, you know how a man is, a few weeks, that could be like three years. I preached a message and I was talking about the four words, gather, grow, give, and go. And I I just hate it when the, the message just comes back into my house. And I spoke of give, and a lot of times when we hear the word give, he says, well, he wants his money. I was talking about giving of your time too. Learning to give your time. Sacrifice your time. And I had a call, and I thought, man, I am so busy. i got so much to do. And guess whose message I heard come into my head? To turn that guy off. So I had to say, okay. I know this is going to cost me another hour on the other end of my day, but I'm going to go and do what I need to do and give of that time. I'm just saying today, we need to work on that. Does that come natural? No, it doesn't. Some, some people have got the gift of helping hands. Some people have got that. For me, that's not a natural gift for me. I have to work on it. Amen? I have to work on it. But what I'm saying today, just as, as, as Paul was doing, he says, you, you need to work on these things. That means I, I, that means I need to to start doing things in my life to help them to be part of my life. A lot of this I'm preaching today, this morning, and what I'm preaching tonight, it's not a natural thing that happens in our life. But I'll guarantee you, you can, if you start out to work on something, you can see it accomplished. A few months back, October, I, I was told that I have diabetes. And, and, and I thought, I don't want diabetes. My dad has had it, and my, and my, my older brother's got it. I didn't want it. I weighed 211 pounds at that particular moment when they told me that. They called me Fluffy. No, I call myself Fluffy. But I, I, I read my doctor's report and it says he's obese. I go, what? <laughs> this physique I got and you're calling me that? <laughs> and, and so I made my mind up that day that I'm going to work on doing something different. So I started eating different. They put me on some diabetes medicine and, and, and I lost 30 pounds. I went to the doctor the day and my, my A, what is it, A1C? A1C was 5'5". Five five. It's normal. Thank God, amen? Now these guys all prayed for me over the altar. I'm going to take a little prayer, amen? I thank God for that. But I had to work on it. I dropped 30 pounds. I had to work on it. I had to skip the ice cream. I had to quit eating the bread. But here's what's been bad. Once I got my goal, then you know how that goes. (laughs) I'm just saying, we never get things in life unless we work on them. My friends, God wants us to be working on a relationship with Him. He wants us to work on these things that I'm talking about. He wants us to work on our salvation with fear and trembling. We want to work it out. And I tell you, you can get stalled in your working your salvation out. 
you can become complacent and actually you can, I was thinking about bringing a Pinewood Derby car and you put it on a heel like that and you quit pouring power to it and it, it won't just stay there. It's going to roll backwards. Amen? And that's the same thing with working on our salvation with fear and trembling. We've got to keep working on it. We've got to be going forward. You've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost in it. I, I'm going to tell you, I've served God long enough that I've had complacent times in my life and I thank God, what happened to the man that came down to that altar that day and got up so fired up for you? I want it back. I want it back in my life. I want to say, if you're going to sit next to me, Eddie, you're going to hear about Jesus. Come on, my mom and dad told me to be quiet. They weren't saved and I was telling them about Jesus <laughs> with joy. But what happens? We get complacent. We need to work on that. Amen. We need to work on pleasing God in our lives. Come on, we need to work on God. It's called sanctification and doing that. We need to work on those things. We need to work to get our smiley face. Amen. Quit letting everything just upset you. Who cares? 50 years from now, it won't matter. Oh, we will for you younger guys, but for me, it ain't going to matter. <laughs> right? We need to work on that. We spend more time disputing and arguing than we do about going out and winning people for the Lord. It don't matter about the building. Amen? We need to work on those things. We need to work on letting the Word of God be all about our lives. Amen? And we need to work on being holy unto the Lord. We need to work on all these things in our lives. That's why the Bible says we are still a work in profit. He who begins a work in you will be faithful to finish it. Amen? But we have to let Him do it. Pastor, if you'll come. Every head bowed just for a minute. I'm done. I have a lot more here, but I've preached myself to a point that I want to ask you just again with every head bowed, is there anybody here tonight that say, I just need Jesus. I need to get my heart right with the Lord. I'm going to tell you, if, if that's you, He loves you. He's gave His life for you. And He's wanting to save you tonight. Maybe you're here and you just need to get back to working on your salvation and working out with fear and trembling. Maybe you're here tonight and you just haven't been pleasing the Lord, but you say tonight is the night. Or maybe you've been having an issue with that complaining and disputing and your attitude and you just need to get that out of your life. And, or maybe you're here and says, Pastor, I just need to work on being holy. i got some things I've been doing that I need out of my life so that I can have more of the Holy Spirit in my life. Letting the Word be the lamp under your feet and the light under your path. Letting the Word be more of your life and then that point of sacrifice. Who would say, Pastor, that's me tonight. I just, out of one of those six, would you just raise your hand tonight and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to, amen. Anybody else? Nothing to be ashamed. Amen. Amen.